Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. I'm very excited about today, and I'm excited every Sunday, but it seems to, uh, I get excited more and more as I watch what the Lord does. Our church is so blessed in so many different ways. I uh, just want to share this with you so that you will know. I know that for most of you, if you took 20 people out of your life, that's all you know that's going on around the church. Uh, We want to expand that to more than 20. But we also want you to get in on everything good that happens because you're a part of it. I'm going to speak about that today. My message is entitled, It Takes a Team. It Takes a Team. I just want you to know that in the last eight days, Last Sunday, we had 20 people give their heart to Jesus Christ in our Connection Center after the service. That service, that that time when I tell you, please be still, please let people, they're so close, 20 of them. Last week, 31 of our high school students gave their heart to Jesus Christ in the gatherings of the students of our church, 31. Wednesday night, 24 children came and gave their heart to Jesus Wednesday night while we were here and Brother Stewart was teaching us in the children's building, 24 children. That totals 75 people that in the last seven days have gave their heart to Jesus Christ through the collective efforts of those of you that went your way telling people about Jesus Christ and bringing them to the house of worship today. I have already met many of you that are here for the first time, and you're here because somebody brought you today, and they didn't want you to see their church. They want you to see Jesus. So I want to talk about Jesus now from Mark chapter 2, a very familiar story to those that have studied the Bible all of their life, but not so familiar to those of you that may have never heard this story. I want you to listen to it from, from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And while you listen to this very clear, uh, biblical, accurate, historical story, a true story, I want you to notice the many different people that were involved in it becoming a reality. With the main character being Jesus Christ. Would you stand as I read these verses from Mark chapter 2, out of respect to the word. And again, Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised about that he, Jesus, was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born by four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man, talking about Jesus, thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they saw reason within themselves, Jesus said unto them, 
Why reason you these things in your heart? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise and take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he says to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, Arise, take up your bed, and go your way to your house. And immediately he arose. He took his bed. He went forth before them all in so much, listen, they were all amazed. And they glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion before. May God bless his word. Would you be seated? I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. I am so blessed when I see people ministering one to another. It thrills my heart when I see people reaching out to those that are hurting and put their arms around them and bring them to Jesus. This story is a story that has gone down in infamy among biblical stories. Jesus is around the place of Capernaum where he spent much of his time of his life here on earth, second only to Jerusalem. And he stopped in a house to spend some time with some people living in this village of Capernaum. Some of you have been there. And the word spread, the word spread that Jesus was in the house. Now let me stop there. I want to say it one more time. I want the word to spread that Jesus is at Sagemont. You understand the difference? Not who did you see there, not what is their background, but was Jesus there? The word spread that Jesus was there. The Bible says another place, if I be lifted up, I will draw people unto me. So let's go on now and see what happens. Four of the Lord's followers were different from the other. They had a friend that was paralyzed. We don't know all of the details of why he was paralyzed, but we know that he was totally immobile, and he needed to get to Jesus. And he needed to get to Jesus for two reasons. Number one, he had a physical problem, and number two, he had a spiritual problem. And there were four in the midst of this huge crowd that inconvenienced themselves enough to make sure that they went where this one was and saw to it that whatever it took, that he would be brought to Jesus. First of all, I would say this is sort of a case of home evangelism. I want you to notice this is not a church. This is a house. A house like my house and your house. It is a place that was uh, lived in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <clears throat> but there was a family there that lived in that house that did not care if their furniture got soiled or dirt got on the carpet or if the house didn't look as nice as they would like it to look. All they knew was that there was a, a need of a person that lived in their area that they probably everyone knew that desperately needed to get to Jesus. So they said, you can use my help. Now notice, this home uh, uh, welcomed Jesus and this home welcomed sinners. Same house. Same family, deed in their name. 
The man and the woman that owned this home were willing to have the roof tore off of their house to get a person to Jesus. Have you ever known anybody didn't want anybody to come over to their house but just a few because somebody might put a tire track in their yard? You, you know what I'm talking about. Isn't it great and refreshing when you read a story like this? It's thousands of years old, and here's the family that says, Jesus, you're welcome here. Sinners, you're welcome here. But if we can get the sinners with the Savior, good things begin to happen. Let's go on with the story. Again, I want to say to you, it was the presence and the power of Jesus that drew people to the house. They didn't come to see the house. They didn't come for the fellowship. They came because Jesus was there. The word had gotten out. Jesus is in the place. I want to say again, that's where the church ought to stand today. That people know in the city that Jesus is there. And if you're looking for Jesus, if you go to that church, on anything they do, you're going to hear and experience the presence of Jesus. It is not a social gathering. It is not an elite better than the community group that gets together to share how wonderful each other are. But rather it is a place that brings together <clears throat> every facet of life that has one common denominator, really two. Number one, they're all sinners. And number two, if they are the church, baptized believers that have been bought by the blood of Jesus, they represent the Lord lives in their life and is doing the work in their life. And so when the, the word went out that Jesus was in the home, <clears throat> the people began to flock to that house. <clears throat> I want you to notice two houses, though. I want you to notice the house that we're already talking about that was opened up to the center. But I want you to follow the story <clears throat> of the other house, the place where the paralyzed man's family lived. He was brought from one house to the other house and then was taken back from this house where Jesus was back to that house. Can you imagine what happened? Can you imagine what happened when daddy was carried out on a stretcher and he came walking back in? You reckon there was excitement in the house? Or do you think there was just kind of a ho-hum? Well, they just, I understand they had some kind of religious meeting over there, you know, and so forth. I can assure you there was great excitement in the house. Anytime a sinner gets saved, there's great excitement in the house. I remember an old song that Hobie Lister used to sing long ago. You young people don't even know who Hobie is, but he played the piano for the Statesman Quartet. He used to do a song about uh, the change that took place in his life and about when he went home and the baby crawled under his bed. He said, my children all crawled under the bed because when daddy usually came home at night, he came home and beat the kids and beat his wife and all of that. And he wrote a song and said, your daddy, the old daddy don't live here anymore. Your daddy is a new man. Come on out from under the bed. Daddy has met Jesus. He's been healed. He's been made whole. That's exciting, folks. That is exciting. That's more exciting than hearing a good sermon or enjoying the music. That is more exciting than enjoying the fellowship and the coffee. It is more exciting than getting a good seat where you could hear. The excitement is, what a wonderful change in my life took place when Jesus came into my life. 
This man's physical illness is like spiritual illness. He was helpless and he was hopeless. The only way that this man could be changed spiritually or physically, the doctors had done everything they could do, and the only thing that could help him now was Jesus. And there were four people that understood that. And these four came together because none of them, the three couldn't do it, two couldn't do it, one couldn't do it. The others weren't interested in doing it. But these four were. And they bring him to the Lord. Now I want you to look closely with me for a moment at what God used in this story. I've already said to you, he used a group. He used a group. <clears throat> you know, at Sagemont, I jotted down yesterday several things. I always hate to do this because I will miss a bunch, but just some things to just set the tone. Everything that's going on right here and everything that happened last Sunday when those 20 people came to the Jesus in the Connection Center was a result of many, many groups of people. Those groups of people ranged from those that fixed a yard up on Saturday that made our yard a beautiful place when people came on Sunday. It was when they met people at the door, maybe as here, if you came in a wheelchair, if you came as a senior adult and you have some problems getting around, Kim Brummett and her crew met you out here at this door and brought you safely in here and will get you safely back out to your car. It takes a group. 16 of them every Sunday morning volunteering. None of them are paid one dime to do that. But they bring people to Jesus because they're hoping that, yes, you might be healed physically and you might come to know Jesus spiritually. And that is an incredible thing. Our VIP team with their red shirts on, some met you in the parking lot, some met you in the foyer, some will meet you when you go out today. It takes a team. It takes a team of choir members, orchestra members. It takes a team of those that are right now running the sound and running the lights and running the cameras and those that are sending the gospel out to the world. It takes a team. Many of you came out of iConnect. That's our Bible study group where hundreds of you were at 8 o'clock today where the Word of God was, was being taught by many different individual teachers who have a support team around them. What you see tomorrow when you come to the ladies' brunch will be a team of people that have put that together. The iConnect team reaches all across the Bible study spectrum. As I mean, not just for adults, but for the children. At this very moment, there are over 240 workers in the children's building taking care of the boys and girls that will be there today. It takes a team. It takes a team. All of our ministries... Take a team. Our students that came to know the Lord are a result of Jeremy having such an incredible team along with his own leadership. And those people that he and Tony and Heather and all of them, it's a team, it's a team, it's a team. The only way we get people to Jesus is a team. Very few of us are strong enough to say, hey, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I haven't been able to say that real clearly. I'm talking about the Heavenly Father. It takes all of us passing one off. Come meet my friends. Come meet this one. You like to do this? I met a young man just a while ago from one of our finest families, a grandson. He's a baseball player. I began to tell him about Scott Sheldon, Baylor Moore sitting over here, and all these guys that played Major League Baseball. It takes a team. We can identify that. The hunters are talking about deer season is open. The rest of you said, 
Who cares? The hunters care. That's who cares, okay? And the fishermen. It takes a team, okay? Now, that's what we're all about. That's when we shake hands. I don't want to shake hands. I might get the flu. <laughs> well, you better shake hands here and you become immune to the flu, okay? And then when you go in the grocery store, you'll be immune-free because Jesus lives in you, all right? Okay? That may be an exaggeration. <laughs> now, they planned together very carefully and prayerfully. Many of you were here last Sunday night. We had over 1,000 in the building. Uh, my understanding, official number was about 887. We're in here learning how to bring people to Jesus. Many of you have been practicing this week. We've had an opportunity to put some of that stuff into practice. For those of you who didn't get to come, we're going to have another one in January. And I'm going to invite uh, our pastor, Brother Darrell Robinson, to come back and do it for those of you that missed it. But you see, all the work and the prayer and the, that goes into the things that we do, that's what they're doing right here. But not only did they, they, they plan carefully, but they carried out their plan. And they were willing to get under the man's burden in order to get them to Jesus, even if it inconvenienced them. Because they had the faith. Now listen to this. They had the faith to believe if they could ever get this man to Jesus and he would let Jesus touch him he would never be the same again. Now that's faith. That's faith. We're not responsible for what happened to people when we get them to Jesus. That's between them and Jesus. But we are responsible to get them to Jesus. When they come looking for Jesus, it's important that we sing about Jesus and preach about Jesus and represent Jesus in a way that Jesus is pleased. That's very important. But it takes a team. It takes a team. Every season is a season of sports, whether it's baseball, the World Series, whether it's football, whether it's hockey, whatever you like to do, it takes a team. There's team sports and there's individual sports. But even an individual that might be a tennis player without a huge organization behind them or somebody on the PGA Golf Tour, if they don't have a huge organization behind them, the tournaments that they enjoy playing and make a good living doing, many of them, couldn't happen without a team. It takes a family. It takes a team. And there were a lot of difficulties. The crowd was there, and it was hard to get him there. But you know what they did? They overcame the difficulties. If you were here last Wednesday night, the Island Community Church handed the deed of their church on Galveston Island to Sagemont Church debt-free. For us to come and to help win the people of Galveston Island to Jesus Christ, it's going to take a team. It's going to, it's going to take a team. That there's not afraid to go in and do some physical labor and then share the gospel with the people on Galveston Island. And some weekends there's over, they're in the hundreds of thousands that come to that island, but very few are coming to know Jesus. But we're believing that day's going to change. But it's going to take a team. It's going to take some people that say, I just always love to go to Galveston. Wonderful, that's where we're going to be. <laughs> you say, well, I'd go to fish. Well, that's only about 800 yards away to the surf, all right? But it takes a team. It takes people that do every single part of it from feeding the people, which we will do physically, I'm talking about. You say, oh, we're going to do that. I'm going to move my membership down there. Well, that's all right, too. But you have to overcome the obstacles. 
Not that everybody on this island is this, this. You can't categorize. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody's trying to come to Jesus. And what we've got to do is carry Jesus to where Jesus can meet them at the point of their need and wherever they are. Jesus did that everywhere he went. But notice this. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, the four guys, not the religious bunch, they were standing in the door. They all had their favorite spot to stand. They all had the doors blocked. But when Jesus saw the faith of those four men and the man that lay there very, very sick, he moved in a powerful, powerful way. Wasn't their clothes? Wasn't their social standing? Wasn't the size of their pocketbook? It wasn't the colorful personality. It was not their intellect. It was not their race. It was their faith. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. There are two sad observations before this story comes to an end. I was already mentioned one, the, the crowds that blocked the door. But there's also the silent doubt of the scribes and the Pharisees. They weren't making any noise. It's not recording that they blocked the door. They just sat there and watched. Skeptical? Yes. Oh, my friends, today, many, many churches are very skeptical. You don't preach the gospel, they say, in the church today because people will be offended by the gospel. They'll be turned off by the gospel. Don't ever talk about that. You can't reach people and lift up Jesus. Listen, we don't have any message if we don't have the message of Jesus. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of places to go today and be sociable. But there's very few places where you can meet Jesus because where two or more are gathered in his name, he's in their midst. What about when four or 5,000 gather in his name? You think he shows up? You bet he shows up. And he lets us see people saved and baptized almost every time we meet. Why? Because Jesus shows up. I was at a gathering on Sunday. Family came to me, a member of a local church. They said they don't even have a baptistry in their church. And I thought, my goodness, no baptistry? What, what, you know, what is there? Well, well, we do baptize once a year. The Bible, they were baptized immediately the same night. They were baptized. You know, here's much water. What hinders me to being baptized? Jesus said, repent, be baptized, go. We don't know what another day is going to bring. Why not? Why not? Don't understand. And I shared with those folks, I said, one thing I want you to know, when they come to Sagemont, I want them to hear about Jesus. And if, if you want to be baptized, we'll be here at 3.30 this afternoon. If that's too early for you, we'll come at 4 or 4.30 or whatever. And if the doors are not open, we'll go jump in the lake. All right? Because nothing should hinder you from following in Jesus Christ. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Not the calendar of the church. When Jesus is in our midst, then lives are changed. And we need to let the world know what the church is that we are a part of. Our job is to preach the Bible and teach the Bible and live by the Bible and not compromise the Bible. It is the inspired and errant and infallible Word of God. I've said that thousands of times from this pulpit. However, when you look at this story, you'll see a priority. He first saved the guy's soul and then he healed his body. One, two.
Now, I'm sure a lot of people got excited about him getting healed and should have. But that was temporary. The day came when he died. They come, come when I'm going to die and you're going to die. When you get Jesus, we're going to live forever spiritually. This old body is going to be put in the grave. But Charles, as you came forward here a moment ago, the group knelt with our brother. And usually down here on the front row, his Betty's watching this service from heaven today. She went to be with the Lord. To see those come and pray with Brother Shriver. His heart is broken, but as I talked to him yesterday, he said, I know where she is. Sue Moore, Brother Bill Moore, those of you at oldest age might know the Moores, started the bus ministry, saw thousands of people saved, thousands of people on those buses, still seeing them coming back and bringing their families to Jesus. But their daughter, Peggy, Bill, Bill's been in heaven for some time, and Peggy, the daughter, went to be with Jesus this week after a long battle with cancer. And as I've talked to that precious mom, she says, I know where she is. I've got mixed emotions. I know there's no more pain, no more sickness, and no more death. The former things are passed away. And she's with Bill now, and I'm going to join them soon. That's what heaven's about, folks. That's what heaven's about. That's what the gospel is about. He saved the soul, and he healed the body. And the greatest truth that you can learn today before we go from the, this story, from Bill's comments, and what we've sang to today is the greatest truth you can learn is that Jesus Christ of Nazareth can save sinners and forgive sin. He can forgive sin and he alone. We've all sinned and we've all got to deal with our sins. But can you not see the joy on the faces of those four guys that went through all that inconvenience to see that guy stand, take his bed, and walk out as a fivesome? Kind of like the hell's angels flying yesterday. You know, four go one way, one go the other, but when all five of them got together, it's just really exciting, you know. More noise, more streaming, more hollering, more carrying on. That's what it's like. When one goes astray, you pick them up and you fly out to glory. That's what it's like to be saved. But somebody, somebody has got to catch the vision of this wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture because what happened then is happening today. And you need to find your place in it. Bring your friends to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. Understand when you come and there's a friend that brings a friend. Your job is to meet the friend that they brought. You don't know who they are, where they came from, or how their life fits into whatever's going on. But the fact is, somebody that loves Jesus and loves your church, brought them to church and to Jesus today. And you are to give that word, that look, and that touch. James chapter 5, verse 19, I close with this. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converts a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sin. Isn't that great? Isn't it great to know, regardless of what your background is, 
Jesus loves you anyway. That he forgives sin anyway. As we think about Tuesday, Election Day, as we think about the gathering tonight, you know what needs to happen? Jesus needs to show up. At the polls, at the White House, in the Congress, in the state, in the county, in the city, as judges, you name the position. May those that sit there have the mind that is, that is in Christ Jesus in them. And watch what happens to America. Revival will come. But it takes a team. Get on the team. Get on the team. Quit watching from the stands. Go down and say, I'll volunteer. I mean, if you watched that ball game yesterday, Texas Tech, I think you could have been the place kicker for them after they missed uh, extra point and and from the three-yard line, the field goal. I think I could have showed up and said, I would like to kick the next extra point. And they'd have said, suit up, Morgan. You're on. You're on. Okay? So don't feel like you can't be a part of the team. If you're living and breathing, you can be a part of the team. Now, if you want to be a part of the team, I want you to let us know. That's what those boxes are for, where we take our offering. Our offerings are received at the boxes. You can hand me notes. You can put them in those boxes. You're interested in Galveston. You're interested in student ministry. You're interested in our children's ministry. You're interested whatever. Let us know. I want to be on a team. I want to be on a team. It takes a team. Our Heavenly Father, I pray now that those of us that are saved will get on a team. But I pray most of all, Lord, for those that are not saved, that today will be their day of salvation. That maybe from the many touches they've already had this morning, from the time that they pulled on this campus, having seen the cross and seen the open tomb, and felt the fellowship of the parking lot and the foyer, maybe went to Bible study earlier, but they have listened to the music, they've greeted the people around them, they've heard the message, they have sensed the Spirit of God here. Lord, would you speak to them today? And as I give them an opportunity to give their heart to to you right now, would you just remove every distraction and may they move in accordance with your will and the instructions that I'll share with them. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one moving, I'm going to open my eyes and I'm going to look out at this audience and I'm going to ask you a question. If you're here today, and you'd say, Pastor, I'm like that man on that bed. Maybe you're not physically ill, but you're spiritually ill, and you need to be born again. You need to be saved. You need to be made whole. You need to be forgiven. You need a brand new life. And you feel like Jesus is speaking to your heart right now. Here's what I want you to do. I always want you to slip up your hand and let me pray for you right where you're sitting. Just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. I want to give. God bless you. And you, and you, and you, sir. I want to give my heart to Jesus today. I want to do that. And up in the balcony, and over here to my right, God bless you. I see at least seven hands. There could be more that I'm missing, but God will not miss a single hand. Would you just pray this simple prayer with me? Those of you that have your hand up, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. But I've listened to the music. I've heard what the minister of music said. 
I believe it. You love me. I've heard the pastor. I've heard the word. I know you love me. The best way I know how, I'm asking you into my heart. I want to be forgiven of sin. I want to be a new creature in Christ. I'm willing to be obedient to you in believer's baptism. I'll do what you tell me to do. I want to be on the team called your family. I want to be your child. In Jesus' name, I turn from my sin and receive you as my Savior. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.